Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome in to the Inside Carolina podcast presented to you by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. This is the Don Callahan UNC football recruiting podcast. Of course, I'm joined by Don Callahan. What's going on, man? Not too much. Just uh, I, I'm glad you could squeeze me into your busy schedule tonight. You got a lot going on. You did a fancy football draft yesterday? Yeah, last night. Was it college football or NFL? NFL. I've started to dabble into college football the last couple of seasons, and I'm in like a pretty hardcore league this year I got into. The same so, same setup with like points and stuff, just with college players? Yeah, yeah. Um, same setup, basically, but it's like just a whole new ball game, When especially when you're in a league like this where it's not just Power 5 guys, it's like the entire nation, so it's like, or I guess yeah. FBS guys, but yeah. Uh, on top of that, it's like nationwide, the... Um, the group of guys and girls that that are part of this this uh, this league, so it's 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 different for me. But yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I do two leagues. It's, it's enough, you know. I, people do baseball and, and NBA, but I don't know. I like to take a break from sports after all after football, the football work we do, podcasting, and fancy football. It's enough. All right, good stuff. Um, you know, recording here on Wednesday morning, a couple days after UNC defeated. South Carolina, 24-20. That's kind of where we're going to start the podcast. Uh, first, we only got two submissions from our top five. And I thought it was a great top five question. Name your um, like your top five bucket list sporting event. And we only got two responses. So we're going to give you another week. So send your top five bucket list items for sports to Don Callahan, either on Twitter, uh, DM on the message boards, or email him as well. Don, anything there to add? Yeah, um, my Twitter handle, of course, is Don at or at Don Callahan IC, and on Inside Carolina, it's just Don Callahan. I think. Good stuff. Uh, and then let's, let's go into the little what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about the impact of the win in Charlotte over South Carolina on recruiting. We've talked this whole summer about kind of the competition between UNC and South Carolina for recruits. That is just part of the story. Obviously, a big win kind of changes the atmosphere and direction of this program. Don talked to a lot of recruits. Following that game, some that were in Charlotte, so we'll touch on that. We're going to get into the Miami game, primetime game underneath the lights, 8 p.m. on Saturday in Keene Stadium, and, and just kind of give our listeners a brief uh, recap of, of why these home games are so important for recruiting as they move into the 2021 class and look to the 2022 class as well. Some updates on particular players like Sean Martin, a former UNC commitment, and Josh Downs, a current UNC commitment. And then we're going to do something new, and we're going to do this every once in a while. And there's not much recruiting news. We're going to look back at previous recruiting classes, and starting with uh, Larry Fedora's first recruiting class, and just do a recap and a look back at those players. So we're going to take each recruit, look at their rankings, and look at their UNC career, and discuss each player and the overall class. And it's going to be a segment at the end of, of certain podcasts. We won't do it every week, but every once in a while, we'll throw in these. We did some research last night. I think it'll be pretty cool to kind of think back about these recruits and, and get some chatter on certain players. Don, thoughts on the schedule we have laid out and, and that last little segment we're going to do? I love it. I, um, I'm i just worried that I know that we have a time constraint and um, I can get a little long-winded, and which gets Ross mad. 
And so um, I'm under, underneath a lot of pressure to make sure I keep my answers pretty short and concise. There you go. So make sure you stay for that. Let's start, uh, start where we're going to start with uh, Charlotte. There were a lot of recruits there, and, and UNC won. Don, what was your kind of takeaway from the Tar Heels getting a huge victory over the Gamecocks in terms of how that affects recruiting for this class and future classes and what just current commits and, and maybe top recruits have said? Personally, I, I'm still kind of in shock that UNC won because for the last couple of seasons, these were games that UNC lost. I do, uh, obviously, you and Greg are more in tune with this sort of stuff. But I do think Mac Brown, his point about the um, just being, being physically prepared um, and, and not being tired out and uh, the conditioning really kind of played a big role in UNC being able to to pull it out. Plus, it helps to have a guy like Sam Howe, who's just a gamer. We talked about him a bunch in the last podcast. So if anybody hasn't listened to that podcast, we went in depth about just uh, his recruitment and just him as a player. So, yeah, but as far as the recruits are concerned, obviously everything was all positive. Uh, there was a lot of commits who were who – are, um, in, in attendance, um, uh, Desmond Evans was in attendance. Um, we talked to him a little bit, um, although we haven't ran anything on him. Yeah, everything was positive. You know, he's he's very, he's not going to give you a whole lot. You know, obviously, he's, you know, good game, that sort of thing. Uh, the commits, uh, it was you know a lot of lot of um, validation for their feelings. Um, I think uh, Ethan West said it best. Was I'm going to read his quote. Um, And he said, I I thought it was a great win for the program. It just shows everyone what we committed guys already knew, that we're going to be back and we're going to be back soon. And I think that kind of um, kind of sums up just what sort of impact that this uh, this win has on this recruiting class. Just there's there's a lot of guys who believed in the vision that Mac Brown was delivering and that uh, it kind of makes them feel like, okay, yes, I, I, I don't, I don't feel like a fool for following this guy because he's producing, he's showing what he's, he's able to do. And I know a lot of fans are like, all right, this, with this win, it means that UNC is going to start flipping a bunch of uh, guys committed elsewhere to commit to SEC schools. That's, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, maybe I think what's more likely going to happen for guys like Trent Simpson or, or uh, the guys that are committed to South Carolina is once uh, coaching changes start to happen, that's more likely when you're going to start to see some um, some commitment flips and that and that sort of thing. What what uh, sure. what did you think of, of 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 all that all that yeah, stuff I mean, in the game? Surprising win, huge win over an SEC school, which I think changes the trajectory of this season and expectations, which has an impact on. You know, maybe a, a commitment here and there in the 2020 class, but it's uh, if they can build on this win and get a couple more wins, I think it really changes who they can maybe get in with in the 2021 class, and you were, they can show show immediate progression. You were in Charlotte, right? I was. What was the atmosphere like in Bank of America Stadium? I mean, from where we were, the the, the it didn't look very. There wasn't a lot of Carolina fans from where we sat, and we were facing the sunny side. So it wasn't a huge atmosphere. That's a huge stadium, too. Um, mm-hmm. it, I don't think UNC traveled very well, but they got the win. I think that's, that's more important there. Um, what do you think this, this win and, and future wins this season, you know, getting to, to five, six, seven wins, can have on recruiting in general? It's, it's going to have more of an impact on the 2021 class. And it's going to 
I think the way that the Carolina played kind of just, like I said before, just validates what Mac Brown is pitching to a lot of these recruits because obviously North Carolina is not going to win the ACC ch- uh, conference this, uh, this season. But what you need to do is you need to say, okay, we're on the right track to eventually achieve those sort of things at North Carolina. And so this season is all about kind of showing that, showing that promise. And if you're able to show that promise, I think it's really going to help with the the 2021 class and the 2022 class. And as we've talked about before, the 2021 class is – it's just a, an absolute banner year for uh, the state of North Carolina. There's, what was it, like 17 um, in-state four-stars for that class right now. Good stuff. And then looking ahead to this weekend, UNC probably has their biggest, you know, primetime home game, the second game of the season against Miami, 8 p.m. in Keenan Stadium. This is the first home game for UNC and the first time players can get on campus, recruits can get on campus for unofficial visits. In general – can you speak to the importance of these home games for, for recruiting and for UNC recruiting? And then more broad, or more specifically, how a game like this, um, at this point in the season, can impact recruiting when it's Miami, it's prime time. It's going to be probably the, the, the most um, fans and students in the stadium uh, for the whole season. Well, generally speaking, for, for a home game, it's it's basically you're you're showing your program, you're showing off your program, uh, you're showing off your fans, you're showing off your um, your your game day traditions, the the pageantry, um, you know, just the feel of your your uh, your campus, your stadium on a game day, and that matters matters tremendously for um, for recruits. Even though when you're looking at this as an adult, you're thinking, okay, you have six seven. Saturdays out of the year and there's a whole lot more days that you're going to be on campus so so why do these six or seven days matter so much but they do because that's really the main reason why these a lot of these kids are coming to um, your school to play for your football program so that's number one with Miami in particular it's huge because one as you mentioned it's it's an eight o'clock game um, and it's great for the UNC commits and the UNC recruits who have never been to to Chapel Hill, or I'm sorry, to, to Keenan Stadium for a game, really, because of um, it's going to be a night game, and everyone knows night games are better than than day games as far as the atmosphere, uh, atmosphere, and just um, just the overall view and feeling of of the game. But you know, Miami also is is still a, a brand program, um, the U, that sort of thing. Um, they're going to have some players out there for sure. It's an ACC game. So all of that stuff matters. I, I expect, um, barring uh, you know the, the hurricane really kind of um, dampering travel plans, I expect a pretty good crowd of recruits for, uh, for the game for sure. It's awesome. And of course, Don will have his premium list of expected visitors for the UNC Miami game that will drop later in the week and obviously the, the targeted kind of offered big time recruits that are expected on campus for Saturday's Miami games. Look out for that for our premium subscribers. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into some more uh, 2020 news with recruits and, and some news that kind of developed this week when we get back on the Inside Carolina podcast. And I want to talk about Johnny T-shirt. Uh, our, our valued sponsor here at Inside Carolina, they're right on Franklin Street. 
they deliver the best customer service, the best local service for anyone looking for UNC apparel. Check them out right on Franklin Street and GiantTeacher.com. Remember, all IC subscribers get 10% off. With the discount code you can find on the message board, get stuff for Christmas, for holidays. When you come to campus for the Miami game, get a T-shirt, a sweatshirt, a hat, anything you need. Make sure you're at giantteacher.com. They support us, and that allows us to do uh, all these different podcasts. We have six or seven podcasts a week, and that's because of support of listeners like you and giantteacher.com. Check them out, giantteacher at giantteacher.com and support the Inside Carolina podcast. Okay, let's get right back into it, Don. Um, scroll up here on the old Google Doc. So we talked about the impact of Charlotte recruiting, the impact of this Miami home game. There's a little bit of developing news here with a couple players that I kind of picked out from your weekly scoop. Of course, check that out on InsideCarolina.com. Don's weekly scoop is great information for recruiting stuff, some team stuff, great quotes and insight. But I want to pull the little tidbit you dropped about Sean Martin. Briefly, can you discuss kind of what's going on with him? He's a former UNC commitment, a defensive end, outside linebacker type player that ended up decommitting from UNC. Yeah, so he, even when he decommitted, he was pretty upfront about saying that uh, North Carolina is still a school that he's considering. He just needed to get a step away and wanted to visit other schools before I guess, uh, formally ending his recruitment. Uh, at the time that I wrote that column, his I, I had spoken to his mother who said that they were considering going to the game. She has since text, me- text messaged me back and said that they will definitely be going. Obviously, again, this all depends on the, on the weather and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but uh, the way the situation looks like now, if you're the way you're talking to sources um, from different different uh, I guess corners of the situation seems like Sean is is definitely wanting to stay in state at West Virginia but is definitely going to do his due diligence North Carolina depending you know from from what I've I guess heard from my sources get a lot of mixed signals here some are a little bit unhappy that he decommitted some are are saying yeah we would we would take him we we love him his athleticism his potential um, some are also mentioning, hey, you know, we have a really good class um, and have really good group of defense alignment already. So it still kind of remains to be seen what ends up happening, how much North Carolina ends up recruiting him, how much North Carolina really wants him. And if it really even matters because he ultimately wants to stay closer to home and, and attend uh, uh, WVU. Good stuff there. And then Josh Downs, you dropped some some good news for UNC fans about Josh Downs, a top wide receiver recruit in this 2020 class. What do you have for us there? Well, you know, he, just to kind of, I guess, to take a step back, you know, obviously he committed way back in, I think it was back in February. And then, but in May, he took this, uh, what he thought was a secret visit to South Carolina and eventually (laughs) kind of was exposed to be that he was actually on campus, even though he denied it initially. And then he just. It was secret until you sniffed it out, you dirty dog. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, he, he, of course, returned to UNC for the, the Showtime camp. And then a week after that, took an official visit to Penn State and was just pretty open about it, realizing, hey, things don't uh, don't hide very easily in the recruiting world nowadays. Uh, but he has, um, in this story that we posted, he shut it down. He says he's 
no longer going to make any more visits to any of the schools. He had planned to, to at least visit Penn State and a couple other schools for games this football season. He says he's no longer doing that. We got some, I guess, uh, tips about uh, about him heading in that direction a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, credit um, the Penn State guys on 24-7 because they, they actually talked to their sources, and their sources told them that, that Penn State was trying to get him back on campus and they, uh, I guess, reached out to uh, Downs and Downs and his parents were like, no, we're done, that sort of stuff. But uh, Downs didn't make himself available for contact until uh, this past weekend when we talked to him. He confirmed it all, said that he had a meeting with his parents and uh, they all just decided it was best to just shut it down. North Carolina was where he wants to be, didn't want to kind of flirt with uh, disaster, um, you know, visiting someplace else, and then maybe North Carolina say, hey, we don't want to deal with this anymore, that sort of thing. So it's just simple. You want to be in North Carolina, just be in North Carolina, continue to re- re- recruit for North Carolina. Um, so UNC obviously is happy about that. Four-star guy. Yeah, four-star guy, uh, number 21 player in the state of Georgia, number 202 overall in the 2020 class, 5'10", 165, small receiver, but uh, in an offense, it definitely needs a lot of talent um, in, in a lot of different ways. All right, good stuff. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more info. We're going to dive into the 2012 class, the look back at, at recruits and how that class kind of ranks up to other um, classes at UNC. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we're back. All right, this is the new segment we're going to do every once in a while. I think it's going to be pretty cool and a chance to, to really reflect on different players, kind of a where where are they now type deal in terms of their time at UNC, how they performed, and how they kind of rank up um, and then compare to their recruiting rankings and what they did at UNC. Are you ready, Don? Yeah, so what, what order? Now, you and I split up the list in half as far as like doing the research. Do you want to go in the order of – of um their ranking on 24 7 um yeah i'm pulling it up right now but uh sure yeah so we want you'll read the name i'll read the name we'll go in the order of the ranking and then you'll give a brief recap of their recruitment and their uh rating the recruiting ranking and then we we split it up so each of us have half roughly of, of kind of what they did at unc and where are they now type deal correct Yes. Yeah. I mean, where, where are they now for some of them and, and maybe not for all of them? Yeah. Okay, great. So we're going to start at the top now. I'll read the name and then you dive in with a little bit of background and then um, whoever has that person will go. All right. 2020 class. This is Larry Fedora's first recruiting class. He was hired, I'm assuming, around in December 
of of that year. Um, and then they already had some people committed. But, of course, the signing day was in February. So they had a month or two to put together this recruiting class. This is Larry Fedora and that staff's first recruiting class to UNC back in 20, uh, 2012. Is that how you remember it? Yeah, and the one thing I remember was that he actually didn't hit the road recruiting immediately because his uh, he was at Southern Miss at the time, and they were playing in a bowl game. I believe it was in in Hawaii. Correct. And correct. he and he wanted to uh, make sure he devoted his time to um, to that team because of uh, just uh, against an allegiance to them. That kind of made some UNC fans unhappy. I understood completely. Um, so he actually didn't really get the ball. I mean, he started with phone calls and that sort of thing, but I don't think he really hit the road uh, with his staff until um, January, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I, I think once you get hired, you got, once you're getting hired, you got to move and start recruiting. So I think that was his first mistake. All right. Um, I guess I'm a little harsher critic than you are. Quin- <laughs> Quinshaw Davis from Gaffney, South Carolina. Gaffney with the big peach on the highway there. Uh, 6'4", 190, dive into Quinshad for us uh, with his background. Well, he's a four-star guy, and he's a guy that uh, UNC actually won over on signing day. This was, I guess, the first uh, signing day win for Larry Fedora. Um, you know, Wake Forest was involved. South Carolina was involved. I think Clemson tried to get involved, but uh, really what it came down to was uh, Quinshad's relationship with, uh, with Gunnar Brewer and like I said, they were he was he committed to UNC on signing day, and he has a rating of eighty nine. Do you want to explain those ratings? Yeah. Um, so the basically twenty four seven sports is not as simple as just you know two star, three star, four star, five star. Even though most fans kind of just view it that way, but within the three star, which is what most guys are ranked, we have um, from you 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 see that that little number next to the guy's name. Um, it's it's like a point. 8961, which is Quinshide uh, Davis's number. And the way that they break that down is if it's an 80 to an 83, they're considered a group of five guy, impact group of five guy, maybe a backup power five guy. 84 to 86 is a solid 80, is a solid uh, power five starter, you know, a guy, a multi year starter sort of guy. From, uh, from 87 to 90, we're now starting to talk about impact um, power five guys, guys who aren't just uh, starters, but um, you maybe you have a good year or two, um, probably get drafted. And then once we get into the 90s, uh, we're talking about guys who are expected to get drafted, make huge impacts on their college programs. Um, and then what 24-7 does is of that group of guys, the top 32 are five stars, and those are, are guys who are believed to eventually going to be uh, first-round draft picks for um, for the NFL draft. Good stuff. That's a great kind of explanation of those numbers because I think the, the average person wouldn't know what that means. So when you're looking at recruits now, you can look at that number and kind of remember that they're it's a staggered system of kind of what you expect from them. And every player is ranked. There's there's a staff at 24-7 Sports that goes through and applies a number to each of these players. A number can change throughout the recruitment. So back to Quinshot Davis as we, as we wrap this up. Uh, Quinshot Davis with a number of 89-61. This is how his UNC career went. I went through I went, went through every single player. Let me find Quinshot here. Ooh, sorry for the delay. Okay, so, I mean, his career was incredible. I mean, he came in immediately and contributed in, in the 2012 season. 
He was an honorable mention freshman All-American. He appeared, he appeared in all 12 games, started the final 10 games as a freshman, and had 61 catches for 776 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, he was, the I think, the biggest impact freshman in this class. He continued this consistency sophomore, junior, and senior year. He was All-ACC honorable mention his sophomore year, 48 catches, a team-high 10 touchdowns. His 10 touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, are the third most in school history. He continued it again with 41 catches as his junior in his junior season and six touchdowns. So pretty consistent. I and mean, obviously his freshman year, 61 catches was was a, a massive number, and it kind of stayed around the 40s um, the next two years. And then as a senior, uh, he started all 14 games. That was 2015, his big season. He had a team high 55 receptions, which was actually tied with Ryan Switzer for 638 yards and four touchdowns. Of course, that one touchdown against Virginia Tech. In Blacksburg, clinched UNC's Coastal Division Championship. He was um, all ACC. I will mention as a senior, he hold, he set a bunch of receiving records, including 25 career touchdowns, um, school record for career receptions at the time with 205. I think Ryan Switzer ended up breaking that and finished with 2,614 career receiving yards, which I'm not sure if Switzer broke that one, but I know a lot of his records were broken by Quinshaw Davis, an incredible receiving career that I don't think a lot of people will realize because he's kind of a quiet guy, and uh, but just very consistent throughout his career. And he is now, after flirting with the NFL, I think he was on the Lions. He was not drafted, which is crazy, but he was uh, he was on the Lions, um, you know, trying to make a roster spot with them during camp. But now he's in his, I want to say, Second. third year on the staff at UNC as a offensive receivers. Um, GA. Yep. Is that about right. right? Anything you want to add? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Um, no, I think it's a good, um, really good research there. So we want to, um, now his rating was an 89 61 and that would imply that he was an impact, um, impact power five guy. Do you feel like that's, uh, that's, uh, I guess correct for him. That's where he should have been. Yeah, I mean, four-star guy, impact, uh, right, right in that 87 to 90 range. As I pull this back up, um, that kind of fits perfectly there. High end of that, too. I mean, he was an impact starter for four years. Yeah. No, All right, great. I, I, I agree. All right, our next guy is J.J. Patterson. From, he was another four-star guy. Uh, 89.40 was his, was his rating. Um, uh, he was from Roanoke Rapids. That, that's the biggest thing with him was that he was during that time where North Carolina had this pipeline of D linemen from Roanoke Rapids coming to UNC. He was kind of in the middle of that with, um, uh, with uh, in between uh, Kareem Martin and uh, Nas Jones. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was a guy who grew up a UNC fan. So it was, it was just only a matter of time for him to be become at North Carolina. You actually had the research on him, right? Correct. Can you, anything about his recruitment other than that that stood out? I don't remember this guy, honestly. I, mean, I didn't oh. cover the team back then, so yeah. I mean, really, that that was that that was the I guess the the thumbnail version of him. I mean, the you know that w- wasn't much else. I, I know that um, when you get into your I guess uh, description of his career, it, it's not it's going to be very short because yeah, academics was a big thing for him and uh, or big big um, obstacle for him, and that kind of led to his demise at North Carolina. But I'll, I'll let you get into that. Yeah, I couldn't find much much on him. I mean, he he redshirted in 2012, his freshman season. He 
played defensive tackle in 2013, but I don't think he was a big-time impact player, uh, more of a reserve. And then he moved over to the offensive line, offensive guard in the spring of 2014. But I found some articles. I mean, this isn't that long ago. Y'all probably remember some of this. He um, he wasn't on the UNC roster in the spring, uh, following the spring of 2014, entering camp. So he wasn't on the 105 preseason camp list. And I think that was it. I think it must have been academics. He's kicked off the team and never played again for the Tar Heels. He played uh, really only one season and redshirted one year. That's all. I yeah. couldn't find if he transferred or played anywhere what else it, or anything like that. Yeah, there was. I, I talked to his old high school coach. I bumped into him at a camp um, like a year or two ago, and he just talked about how just uh, JJ just wasn't focused on academics, and and a lot of people tried to get through to him and said, "Hey, you have some talent." I mean, because we're talking about a four star guy here, and he just didn't want to. I guess put in the the work in the classroom to be able to take advantage of his um, his his god-given talent and it's 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 sad you know yeah i have no idea where he is now it's kind of crazy you think about all these classes a lot of these players just they'd never come back to unc they never have any association with the program they have a short career and you never hear from them again and who knows what they're doing or, or who knows their connection to unc a school they they went to and, and obviously played for all right moving on uh well, we, Phillip, we, we, we got to talk about his rating so how do okay, we how do we how do we compare this? Because this is, I guess, the the one thing that the the blind spot in the rankings is you have a kid who really it wasn't because of his talent, which is what the the evaluators are looking at, but because of his own, I guess, um, you know, off the field stuff. You know, he, he obviously wasn't an impact player. But uh, w- what's your assessment of giving the situation? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he had a, a very a pretty high ranking, four star, and and he was a bust. Because yeah. of outside okay. reasons, academics. It wasn't necessarily because of his play, but he, he wasn't the full package, which is a big part of recruiting. You got to find guys that can succeed where they are. You know, mm-hmm. at UNC is a bit harder. You have to be motivated to work and um, academically. And I guess that, that didn't work out for him. All right. All right. We'll go to the next guy. Yep. We got to move along. Philip, Philip Williamson out of uh, Durham, Jordan High School, outside linebacker, 6'3, 215. Uh, Three star guy, had a ranking of. Point eighty eight six seven. That was your guy, Don. Take it away. Well, he is another guy who um, academics were certainly not his friend. Um, as far as his recruitment was concerned, he was you know another guy who you know, big UNC fan. He was really close. If you, we go back further with uh, TJ Thorpe, they were teammates, and uh, at the time TJ Thorpe was at UNC, and so that really helped UNC kind of land um, uh, Williamson. Um, but he seemed destined for North Carolina. But as far as his UNC career, very, very short. Uh, as, as a redshirt freshman, he left. And he left. And yeah, this, this research is definitely kind of spotty for a lot of these guys. Um, he had, I don't know if he ever made it to Butler Community College, but that was his intention was to transfer to Butler Community College. Then during his sophomore year, he reappeared at Winston-Salem State. I don't see any evidence of him playing um, or anything whatsoever uh, beyond beyond that. Uh, you know, the big thing with him was he actually played safety in high school, uh, but came into North Carolina as a linebacker and then eventually kind of grew into a defensive lineman. That's where I think he was ultimately going to play for North Carolina. Uh, didn't get the chance to, obviously, and that's where he was listed at, on Winston-Salem State's roster at that time. Uh, yeah, obviously, I mean, he's another guy. 
Um, I think we're, we'll put him in the same category, a bust because of outside um, outside uh, situation. What do you think? Yeah, no time to dwell on him. We got to move on. All right, Caleb Peterson <laughs> out of Auburn, Alabama. Like you said at the top, he committed uh, to Southern Miss and followed the staff to North Carolina. 6'4", 3'10", uh, had a ranking of 8794, 0.8794. Uh, this was your guy, Don, briefly on his recruitment and, and his career at UNC. Yeah, his recruitment is pretty cut and dry. Like I mentioned, you know, he was committed to Southern Miss mostly because, and he was actually a pretty highly recruited guy, but uh, his brother had played for Coach Cap, which is UNC's former offensive line coach. And so um, that's why he wanted to play at Southern Miss. And then when Coach Cap came with Larry Fedora to uh, North Carolina, it was pretty easy to get Caleb to switch, took an official visit. And then during that official visit, he, he, um, he committed to UNC and changed his commitment. But as far as his career is concerned, it's kind of um, – he definitely played a lot, uh, 42 career starts, um, and he started all 12 games as a freshman. Um, but injuries definitely kind of hampered him, particularly in his senior season. He started the first five games and then had uh, season-ending back surgery. Uh, he really was a four-year starter minus some of these injuries, and it just was unfortunate that injuries kind of really kind of hampered him um, throughout his career, but um, definitely a solid guy. Um, you know, his ranking was an 87-94. Where do you, um, I mean, I, I got to think, I got to think that's, that's, it's kind of hit it, right? I mean, you know, he's an impact guy, but, but I wouldn't put him on the high end of impact. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, it fits perfectly. I mean, I think he had a chance to make it in the NFL uh, if he didn't get injured his senior year. I mean, they really liked him. He was a tough guy. I, I mean, Cap spoke so high of him. He was a big senior leader on that 2015 team when everything kind of clicked for UNC, like there weren't many injuries. He started 14 games. Everybody was healthy that year. Um, but like you said, I mean, 42 starts started all four years, but was injured after five games, his senior season, a big time leader. I remember covering him just a vocal guy, kind of country that was tough and expected a lot of his guys and was key to kind of that upsurge with UNC and the, the 15, 16 season. All right, so our next guy, introduce our next guy. All right, my guy, Shaquille Rashad out of Jacksonville, Florida, entering as an outside linebacker, 6'2", 215 as a recruit. Um, his number is .8774. I remember he <laughs> – I know Shaquille pretty well. He told me, like, he had no idea about the staff. He had already committed. He didn't really care who was coaching. He just showed up in January. He was the early enrollee, and – um I don't think he knew much about the new staff. He just like, all right, I'm going to Carolina. Showed up in January, and that was it. Uh, can you tell us about his recruitment, and we'll go from there? Yeah, he actually committed over a year before signing day. I remember it being such a surprise, and I think at the time he was a four-star guy that obviously dropped down throughout the, the year. Um, and really, I mean, he did what every kid says they're going to do, make a decision based on off of academics. And it kind of fits with the story that you just shared was he committed to North Carolina because he liked his, its, its academic situation. And um, that's all he was looking for. So even with the coaching change, because it actually, he went through three because you had uh, Butch Davis being fired. Then you had Everett Withers situation. And then obviously you had uh, Larry Fedora and he stuck through um, really didn't bat an eye. I remember each time something happened, I would call him. He was great to deal with, answered every question. Um, but as far as his his career, um, you played in 43 games at UNC, made 16 career starts, um, including all uh, 14 games as a senior, um, was a solid guy, um, playing linebacker, obviously was in, was uh, made some um, 
academic All-American um, list during his time. Um, during his, his, his senior season, which is obviously his best year because he started all those games, he was uh, second on the team with 126 tackles. He uh, he stayed. He I guess um, tried out for Houston um, Texans for a little bit. Kind of went back and forth for a couple seasons with them, but never actually made the team um, or played in any any games um, for the uh, the Texans. But definitely definitely a solid guy who actually did some coaching at North Carolina. I don't think he's he's around the program any longer. I don't. I actually don't know what he's doing these days but i know for the last couple seasons he was was helping out with the staff yeah i think he was one year and i believe it was last year or the year before um he was a ga along with jeff shotmer and uh, we did interview a couple interviews with him being final inside carolina but yeah one thing i would know about him is that he was brought in as a bandit in, in um coach koenig's uh defensive system and he had to put on a lot of weight it was kind of that flex position between outside linebacker and defensive end and he did that for two or three seasons, and then Koenig was fired, and he moved to linebacker his senior season, lost some weight, and that's when he really thrived. Um, he had 18 tackles as that bandit position his junior year, and then he had 126 tackles as a senior playing just straight linebacker. That felt like a more natural position for him. Led the team with 8.5 tackles, three forced fumbles, uh, and was a big-time leader on that 2015 team that obviously won uh, 11 games and went to the ACC championship game. Um, yeah, like you said, NFL practice team, that kind of stuff. He was on a practice team at Houston. I believe he's now living in Wilmington and works for a sports agency. Last time I checked on him, pretty active on Twitter, big UNC fan. He was in Charlotte for the game, a great ambassador for the university and a great guy to deal with. Um, what, what did you say about his ranking? 87, um, 87 ranking. Would you say uh, – yeah, it fits. I think it fits pretty well. Uh, I I would go. I would go. I would say he's a little bit further south. I would say he's kind of in that mid range. Yeah, more like eighty five, eighty six is where he should have yeah, been. Yeah, yeah. Our five yeah. guy. Yeah, he yeah. didn't. He didn't thrive until his senior year, but senior year is great. But I don't think he was ever going to be an NFL player. Yeah. Um, but he was uh, at times impact, but at times reserve for uh, for UNC. All right, good stuff on Shaquille. Great guy. Joe Jackson's next. First coast. Kyle, high school in Jacksonville, Florida, outside linebacker, 6'2", 215. His ranking is .8713. What can you tell us about Joe Jackson's recruitment? Uh, well, I know North Carolina had kind of battled it out with him um, towards the end. Some other schools tried to get in on him. Um, he was a guy that that the the prior defense staff, Vic Coning, really, really liked. Um, and he, uh, you know, they won him over in, in January. Really not a whole lot else. I, he had a teammate that the staff liked a lot more end up going to Miami, but, uh, but yeah. So what can you tell us about him? Yeah. Joe Jackson. I forgot about this guy, but, um, obviously I did my research last night, Don, as you were sleeping and I was working, <laughs> um, let me find him here. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. So he redshirted in 2012, played a little bit in 2013, played a little bit more in 2014. And then he was a starter in 15, and that's his, obviously his junior season. You're thinking this guy's going to have a, a solid career, uh, developing as you could expect. He got injured in the South Carolina game in 2015. I remember this. He was a starter at linebacker, and he never played again. He medically retired after a neck injury he suffered at linebacker, and that's all I got on him. He, he left the team. He retired from football, so his football career ended after just one game his junior season in 2015. All right, so 87 ranking. 
I mean, yeah, based on based on that, it's a little overranked, I would I would say. Uh, but he was also hurt by injury, so we didn't get to see necessarily his his full uh, career in those last two years. So what would you give him now? Well, in the eighty, probably eighty four to eighty six range, right? Okay, all right, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, next guy, TJ Giles. All right, Kate, Kate Carl. Yeah, d- uh, defensive back, six one, one seventy five. His ranking is eight seven zero three. This was my guy as well. Um, TJ Giles, yeah, I mean, he played all four seasons. He started, his, he played his freshman season, appeared in eleven games, a lot on, um, a lot on special teams, and as a backup defensive back, played twelve games his sophomore season. Again, more as a reserve defensive back and on special teams. Same thing in, in fourteen, uh, all twelve games, but, but mostly as a reserve and special teams contributor. And then fifteen, he played in eight games as a, as a backup defensive back. So this guy was a career backup at UNC, never broke out, um, but you know played, stuck with the team for four seasons, and, and graduated from UNC. TJ Giles, what can you Before, tell us about his recruit? Sorry, his was, recruitment and your take. Yeah, so the main thing with his recruitment was, um, he, I mean, he was just an athlete, a huge athlete. Um, and, uh, the, the, the staff really liked him and he had committed to the prior staff and the new staff was trying to, to hold on to him. UCF came in strong late. And the reason why that was such a threat was because TJ was in a situation with his family where he basically was the, the man of the house and, um, his mom, uh, he had some, a lot of younger siblings and he really kind of helped his mother raise them. So when, um, when, you know, him leaving um, to go to North Carolina was uh, was kind of hurting his family in a way because that's one less person to kind of help things out. So that kind of weighed on him, and, and UCF was much closer. But UNC obviously won out. His ranking on 24-7 sports was at 87. Um, you're saying he's a career backup, and I agree. Uh, he's definitely not 87. Where do you think he's at? Uh, yeah, I mean, 80 to 83, power yeah. five backup. There you go. All right. Giles. All right, moving on. Junior Nankande from <clears throat> Georgia by way of the Ivory Coast. Very Africa. good. I love it. I love the way you knew where he was at, and then also uh, you you pronounce his last name correctly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a professional. While you were counting sheep, I was reading up on uh, 2012 <laughs> UNC football. <laughs> <laughs> While you were in the fart pack, I was, I was uh, working. All right, 6'4", 225. Obviously put on a lot of weight in college was a physical freak from what I remember covering him. 86-7-7. I don't know anything about his recruitment. So enlighten us on, on his recruitment, how he ended up at UNC. Well, he kind of just fell on UNC's lap. UNC was, was Vic Coning was looking for a, um, a bandit uh, because for this new defense that obviously he's bringing in, didn't have a bandit on roster. And this was supposed to be the bandit guy. And the way that... Uh, he fell on UNC's lap was uh, he was a long time Georgia tech commit, you know, being from the Ivory coast, he wanted to go to an engineering school, um, came to the United States to get a really good education. So that was pretty big. And then Georgia tech, for whatever reason, said they couldn't get him in. And uh, uh, it, it was after he had shut it down, wasn't talking to anybody. He, he had a very, very strong accent. So, so his uh, coach did a lot of the, the handling of recruiting for him. So it was really easy for his coach to say, okay, He's, he's firm to Georgia Tech. We're not talking to anybody else. And um, so when Georgia Tech dropped him, and I think it was like in January, they kind of scrambled to uh, 
contact guys, try to find a home for him. North Carolina ended up working out. I think he took the official visit the following weekend and ended up committing before it was all said and done. So that was the the story with him. The one thing I will say is I remember when he actually committed to North Carolina, his coach said, hey, do you want to talk to Junior? And I said, all right, great. Let's do this interview. And I could not use the quotes because I couldn't understand him. And I'm not trying to make fun of him. It was just, just the, how difficult it was for me to, um, to I guess, just – his, his accent was just so strong. That was the one thing I remember, just how strong his accent was. And I just knew from that point forward, I was going to continue to just to go through his coach because of, uh, so I would understand what was, what was going on. Yeah. Um, it's funny how you said like, he's from Ivory coast. So of course he wanted to go to Georgia tech. Like Ivory coast is some hotbed for, for engineers. Well, I know, I well, know what you meant though. He wanted yeah, to get yeah. a really good education coming here from Africa. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. His career quickly here, 2013, he was a redshirt freshman, so he redshirted in, in 12. He appeared in all 13 games, not much else there. In 14, he appeared in all 13 games and, and started producing 41 tackles, five tackles for a loss, two quarterback hurries, two pass breakups, one sack, one forced fumble. Similar stats in 15, his junior season, 11 games, 34 tackles, seven for a loss, 3.5 sacks. So he was a, a kind of a, a big-time contributor along the line. I remember covering him that season. Um, he was funny because <laughs> – he could speak English for sure. And like he refused to do interviews. He said he couldn't speak English, but like everyone knew he could speak English. He just didn't want to talk, uh, which is pretty funny. And that was kind of it. I mean, he he played he played all, all those three seasons and he finished with 97 career tackles, 4.5 sacks, 12 tackles for a loss. He was a big time player, 11 quarterback hurries, five pass breakups, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. And then he kind of surprisingly transferred to Troy. Uh, and at Troy, he played 12 games, 36 tackle. He graduated from UNC in four years, and then he transferred to Troy to follow Coach Koenig to Troy in Alabama. 12 games, 36 tackles, three tackles for a loss, two sacks, one forced fumble. I thought it was surprising because I thought he could be a big-time player in 16. It was a little of a head-scratcher. I don't know if you remember that at all, Don. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember uh, – I, I mean, I was always expecting something huge for him and always was like, all right, this is going to be the year where he just breaks out and just never seemed to happen – um, with an 86 ranking, wh- what are your thoughts on that ranking? <laughs> um, that, I'm looking at things here. That about fits, right? I mean, okay. uh, right at the border of, yeah, I mean, he could be a little bit higher. I think he had a lot of potential as a recruit. So he could be in that 87 range, 88 range. Uh, I think he definitely had the potential to be an impact player. I think he was during his, his two breakout years at UNC. Okay. All right. All right. Kedrick. Davis uh, was a wide receiver from uh, Barry Academy outside of Charlotte, three-star guy. Uh, You know, the thing I remember about him from his recruitment was um, his speed. I mean, everywhere he went when he would run um, run the 40-yard dash, it would uh, would impress some people. Uh, I don't remember, and I tried looking up, but I couldn't find it, what his exact track time was. But I remember that he actually, in a, a, a high school track meet, um, beat Romar Morris, and it was just an amazing time. The time I have in my head, I don't want to say just in case is wrong, and <laughs> and I have some sort of Paul Bunyan s sort of memory of this kid's speed. But um, it was he was blazing fast. The problem was is that the speed rarely translated to the football field. So now he was one of your guys, though. So what uh, what can you tell us about his uh, career? Yeah, Kedrick Davis. Um... He ran track at UNC as well, and so definitely a speed guy. He played three seasons at UNC. Uh, only really saw meaningful minutes his redshirt sophomore year on the, for the Tar Heel defense at cornerback. 
he came in as a wide receiver, I believe, and had never played corner, and they moved him to corner uh, in Fedora's first year. Uh, is that what you remember about him, cornerback, and then moved to – sorry, wide receiver, then moved to cornerback? Yes, yes. Okay, and his recruitment indicates that. He, he was a wide receiver at uh, Barry Academy in Charlotte. Um, he earned two degrees from UNC, and he played three seasons, and he transferred to UNC Charlotte. And I couldn't get much stats from what he did at UNC Charlotte, but uh, obviously I think I read, a, I read a whole story on him. It, he felt like he was underutilized at UNC and wanted a shot somewhere else, which is pretty common, and he went back to his hometown and played for the 49ers, and that was kind of the end of his football career. But got two degrees from Carolina and kind of did it the right way, it seems. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's – you really, I mean, a lot of people look at it and say, and, and for our, when we look at the rankings thing, we're going to say he's, you know, probably didn't live up to his, uh, his numbers, but really in reality, he went to school, got two degrees from the uh, UNC, which is, which is great. And it was a graduate transfer at UNC Charlotte before the, the days when graduate transfer is such a hot thing. Yeah. All right. So we're actually going to stop right there. This is, it's getting a little long and we want to break this up. Um, these classes are long and we want to make sure we, Spend enough time and not rush through the, the second half. When we get when we return with this class, I, I'm assuming we'll do it next week or the week following, depending on if there's any giant recruiting news. We'll dive into the second half of the 2020 class. A lot of guys that, that Don researched and some cool names like uh, John Heck, Candler Coker, uh, John Ferranto, Nick, Nick Weiler, Jesse Rogers, some guys that you'll definitely remember. So uh, that's about it for us here. Remember to submit your top five. What is it? Top five bucket, bucket list. list, bucket list sporting events. That's really cool. We need more than two submissions to get those in. Uh, you can just rattle them off and explain why. Anything else from you, Donald? We need. Uh, I'm going to call out the Michelles to um, send in their their list, their top five. Hopefully, they're listening. All right, good stuff. And that's uh, that's it for us. We appreciate you listening, and we will be back next week. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.